0: Thank you all so much. It's awesome. It's good to be here together today. God is moving in our church, and uh, man, our first service, pretty full. It's awesome. Let me tell you, yeah, it's good. Awesome. Good to see you guys this morning. You know, last Sunday, um, we were, I guess we're, what if there's our third week now in our two-service format, and we believe in God is going to work, and he is working already in that. We had 459 people on campus last Sunday in the two services. That's a lot. A lot of folks. So that's here, and that's up in Kids Church as well. And the numbers are bouncing out pretty even. It's been great in our children's ministry. They've been able to get their class sizes down, a lot more one-on-one with teacher and children. And it's been great, more permanent, Uh, type teachers in a room instead of a rotation every week of people having to miss services. So God has answered our prayers. God is working in our midst. He's moving in our lives. Uh, 459 people are great, but we're not about numbers here at Vertical. We're about souls and lives and hearts being changed. So I count that. and Our staff counts that as 459 people hearing the word of God and being a part of what God is doing here. Amen. It's good. It's good. God is, is good to us. Today, I've got a short message, and then I've got a real-life story of one of the men here in our church that God has moved uh, powerfully in, even within just the last couple of months. And then uh, in the second service, he'll do his story again, but he'll be baptized then. We're not going to baptize him twice, so uh, we'll baptize him in the second. But you'll get to hear his story today. And I knew as we began this series, Pray Bold, that we would begin to hear real-life stories of people change because somebody was praying and believing God. And you're going to hear, hear that story today. And that's why we gather here. There's power when we gather in person. There's power when we gather and proclaim the name of Jesus, believe the word of God, worship together, encourage one another. There's Power in that. Amen? In being next to someone else who's who's praying also, who's worshiping also, because sometimes you're the person who needs that other person worshiping beside you to say, yes, God is real. Yes, God is at work. Sometimes you're the one that needs to give that hope to the person next to you, and God calls the body to come together to believe that. That's why we're reading in Ephesians that we are called to believe to believe for it, to believe boldly. Here's what it says in Ephesians 3.20. It says that we believe and we gather because he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we ask or think according to his power that moves and works in us. And he also writes there, he says, to him be glory in the church. This is our opportunity to glorify him together, to speak of his goodness And proclaim what he has done. And that is what we believe. We believe that he is able to do the impossible. You know, sometimes when we get to the point of prayer and we have a situation that's before us that seems difficult, sometimes we may be tempted to only pray for what we think could possibly happen out of the situation, the thing that is possible, Sometimes the enemy tries to make us not believe that this impossible situation can change, that that person's heart could be moved, that 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 relationship could be reconciled, that God actually could do something miraculous there. I'm here to tell you that the same God who performed miracles in the Old Testament, the same Jesus who performed miracles in the Gospels, the same disciples who walked and performed miracles in the book of Acts, is the same God that we serve today who still does miracles. Amen? We believe that. We hold to that. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, and referring even to us, he said, to those who believe in me, listen, greater works than I do, they will do. You say, well, I hadn't parted any Red Seas lately. You say, I hadn't raised anybody from the dead lately. Look here, all of those physical miracles Were pictures of greater miracles. Parting a Red Sea is one thing, but seeing a person's life that is stuck in impossibility and all of a sudden God part the sea and you walk through it with hope, with perseverance, with grace, trusting God, that is a real miracle. When a life is changed, when a heart is changed, that's greater than any physical miracle that we read about in the Bible because those were written for us that they might be examples to us of even greater miracles that God will do in our day. Amen? It's true. So I don't believe we live in the day of lesser miracles. We live in the day of even greater miracles. To see a relationship where two people are at odds with one another, that seemingly you would think it is impossible for God to reconcile them back together, and we pray and we believe and we trust and we pray both and see them come back together, that's a miracle. To, for God to take someone's heart who is consumed with their sin— in stubbornness and isolation and selfishness and resisting God, and for a believer to pray, to pray bold and see God break their heart, see God turn them around, see God humble them and see them come to Christ, that is a miracle of epic proportions. I believe this is the day we live in today. This is what he's calling the church to. This is what he's calling us to, to have that level of faith, that level of boldness, that level of trust, and that level of expectation to see that happen, to see that happen when we gather, to see that happen in our homes, to see that happen in our relationships, and to see that happen in us. Amen? Amen. Our message today is called Pray Bold and the Impossible Happens. The impossible, the thing that seemingly would be unnatural, illogical, impossible. This is where God moves and works. This is the God that we serve. Turn your Bible today, Joshua 10, the Old Testament, book of Joshua. Joshua is the new leader for the people of God at this point. Moses has gone on to be with the Lord. And so he has been appointed the new leader. And they are making their way into going into the promised land. But boy, they are going to have to fight to get their way into the promised land. Because their land has been taken over. There are enemies in the land. There are strongholds set up in the land. There are those who resist the move of God. There are those who don't believe in God. And God's people, though they are smaller in number, are mighty in faith because they believe in the God who is bigger than all their enemies. Amen? And so they are moving forward to move into all that God has promised them. It's a struggle. It's a fight. They're outnumbered, but they're trusting God. Anybody ever been in that situation before? That's all of us. You and I are walking into all that God has called us to and given us in Christ in all that he has for us in our life. There may be strongholds established. There may be bad patterns from the past. There may be enemies who resist us in our life, but we trust the God who is over us rather than the enemies that are around us. Amen? We trust and we pull down strongholds. We trust and we pull down lies. We trust and we walk forward in faith, believing him. And this is what Joshua is leading the people of God to do. They've taken Jericho at this point, They've taken another city called Ai, which is literally spelled, literally spelled Ai, how about that? And they are moving forward, trusting God. But as we get into Joshua 10, there are more enemies still. There is greater resistance still. There are those who that are opposed to them still. In fact, Joshua 10 describes that there are five kings with five armies, who are all trying to stop Joshua and the people of God from securing all that God has given them. The enemy wants to always stop you from securing all that God has given you. He doesn't want you to enter into all that he has for you. He doesn't want you to enter into a place of peace and joy and purpose and confidence and trust and faith and healing and reconciliation and walls down, strongholds broken. The enemy doesn't want that, so he will do all he can to make you think It's too great. It's impossible. Joshua begins this move. And they begin to move forward. And God gives them a promise. He says, Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. And not a man of them shall stand against you or before you. It's a powerful promise. And Joshua says, got it. You make that promise to me, I'll move forward in it. It's very similar to the promise that God says to us that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It's very similar to the promise that God makes to us when Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And God is looking for the man and the woman who will believe that promise and say, got it, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna leave my family. I'm gonna leave my friends. I'm gonna lead all those I know into the promise that God has for us. And Joshua begins that move. And God always stands with those who will trust and believe him. So much so that as they begin to move forward, the people of God are outnumbered, of course. But God does something miraculous. Miraculous before we even get to the story today about the miraculous. Because one of the armies that's pursuing them, God says, Hey, Joshua, I'm gonna take care of this group for you. And so God rains down hail and it kills the vast number of this army. In fact, the Bible says it kills more than the people of God killed themselves. God was faithful in that situation. So with these these five kings and armies against them, we turn to verse 12 and we begin here because we're gonna see Joshua do something very bold. Verse 12, it says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord. In other words, Joshua is about to pray. And Joshua is about to pray bold. Joshua is about to believe the promise and he's going to speak based on the promise. He's going to ask for something massive. He's going to do what you and I sometimes are afraid to do. Ask for the impossible based on a promise. Verse 12, the second part says, this all happened in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and he said, in the sight of Israel. Let me just pause for just one moment here. Joshua's praying to God and he's doing it in the sight of Israel. This is important. This is not one of those In secret, by myself, I'm not real confident in this, but I might just pray it quietly just to see what happens. This is Joshua saying, I believe the promises of God. I'm here to stand before my people today. I want you to hear what I pray. That's bold, right? When you see what he asked for, you're going to say, that's bold. That's real bold. But bold is what happens when God's people believe his promises. Amen? So, in the sight of all of Israel, here's what Joshua said. Son, stand still over Gibeon. And moon in the valley of Ajalon. In other words, God, I so believe your promises that today I am speaking out. And I'm speaking out to the sun and say, I need you to stop and stand still. And, moon, I need you to stop as well. God, I'm calling you to stop the natural order of things so that something supernatural can happen today. As bold, as bold, asking the sun and the moon to no longer. Move, In other words, for the planet to no longer continue its rotation and the day stop. That's bold. You're asking God to change what he has established is already the course of events. And you're asking him to stop that? You're asking for the miraculous on that level? Joshua, who are you? I'm beginning to think you might be a little whack. You're asking for extreme level, impossible. Joshua knew they needed to win these next battles and they needed time to do it. They needed the day to be longer so they could fight longer. They weren't greater in size. They weren't greater in might or in number, but they were greater in tenacity and faith. And Joshua knew, I need some time. I need this day to last longer. And God, I know that's not how you do things. God, I know the natural order of a day. I know how this all works. But God... I'm asking you to do the impossible. Verse 13, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? It's gotta be like a story, like a playful metaphor in the Bible, right? It's gotta be fiction, right? Because you can't do that. If the earth stops turning, then everything goes out of kilter. Life can't exist if the planet stops turning and the moon and the sun appear to stop in the day. You can't just interrupt the natural order of science and God's plan and God's purpose. Surely there has to be something here. A lot of people look at this passage and say, well, what really happened was it was an eclipse that day. And it just appeared to make the day last longer. Some people say, oh, well, this is really just more of a metaphor for the." it felt like the day went on forever. You know, some people say, you know, I think there was some odd refraction of light happening on this day. They try to explain away the impossible, and people do that even today. They say, hey, did you hear that this person has been radically changed by God? Well, I mean, I kind of knew it because that's kind of their personality anyway. They're just kind of bent toward that. Look, it's time to stop dismissing the miraculous and believe God for the impossible, amen? We're called to that. And shame on us for being 21st century Americans who think it has to fit within our logic or our understanding or our reason or we can't believe it. Faith calls me to believe what God says in spite of what I see, understand, and can fit into my logical pea-sized brain, amen? Amen? So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. The Bible repeated it again. It really happened, it truly happened. I've read some articles that say that if you read back into the history of uh, different countries, that there is an actual recording of such a day like this. If you read back into Chinese history, there is a day recorded somewhat like this. They don't have the same reasoning as the Bible tells us, but they have a day recorded like this. What's fascinating to me is what happens next in verse 14. It says, and there has been no day like that before it or after it. And you might think, yeah, that's wild. That goes beyond the laws of science as we understand them. But I think here is what is so fascinating, the last part of 14, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. What made the day so astounding wasn't necessarily that the sun appeared to stand still or that the moon appeared to stand still in the sky, but that God heeded, listened to, changed the pattern, the plan, because one man was willing to believe a promise, and the Lord fought for Israel. Now, the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament has been given to us, that we might have hope and that we might have pictures of God's faithfulness. And so when Jesus says, the miracles that I did, greater works than these you shall do, If you will believe in my name and ask in my name, I have to believe that the same God that caused the moon and the sun to appear to stand still that day in the sky is the same God who can make time stand still in someone's life and change their heart for eternity that can take a relationship that is at odds with one another, that can take a heart that is broken, that can take a heart that is consumed with its sin, that is consumed with itself, that is consumed with its shame, and God can heal and redeem and make new that heart. Amen? This is not just religious church talk. This is reality life talk because this is who we are as people of God. We believe that he can do these things. And the evidence that you believe for it is that you will ask for it. And you'll hold to it. You'll pray for that person in the relationship. You'll pray for that person in the family. You'll pray for chains to break. You'll pray for strongholds to be broken. You'll pray for reconciliation. And you'll keep praying and you'll keep believing and you'll hold to it. Not denying, not dismissing until you see God move in it. Amen? Are we all together this morning? This is a big call of faith. This is what the Bible calls us to. It's time we get past believing the lie that circumstances or people can't change. If we're going to be the people of God, then we have to believe that is possible. The impossible is possible. It's not only possible, it's to be expected, It's time we get past refusing to ask for only what is easy or possible or attainable. It's time for us as the people of God to begin asking for what is impossible according to the promises of God. And if he says, I will protect you, I go before you, the gates of hell will not stand against you, then it's time we pray with that level of faith and expect that kind of response. It's time we stop refusing to believe that miracles still happen. And it's time that we believe that this is the day of even greater miracles. I'm not just talking about physical healing i am talking about what i believe are the greater miracles those that happen in the spirit of a person those that happen in the spirit of a relationship when resurrection occurs in the heart when redemption occurs in the heart when a mind is changed and emotions are settled and god brings his spirit in and things are put in order in a person's life and they speak peace from that point forward they're no longer held in chains of addiction that is a miraculous amen amen all right so today I want, us to, uh, I want to introduce you to someone who is going to tell their story about what God has done in their life. So uh, I'll bring a couple of stools up here. I'm going to set this down, and let me introduce to you uh, Michael Otwell. Michael, come on up with us this morning on stage. I'll give Michael a hand. Michael's been coming to the church for a while, and... Uh, I'll give you that. Yep, how long have you been coming to the church, Michael? Remind us all.
1: Um, I was looking back in the notes. I've been coming to men's breakfast late April, early May, yep. and uh, maybe three and a half months for service.
0: Okay. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. And, um, and and since then, God's been at work in his life, and you're about to hear how that has been possible and what God is doing.
1: Yes, yeah? very much so. Um I don't want to say it's not unreal, because as we all know here, it is real. Um, we do believe in and uh, it's out-of-body experiences, um, just God and Jesus speaking through me. Um, I kind of Pastor Brian and I have been meeting with Truitt as well. We didn't really want to go off of a script. Um, the story might take different turns. But if you have any other questions about it and just want to come talk to me, just feel free to anytime. Um, Get my number, call me, whatever. He's Um, an open
0: book. Yeah. 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 Uh. So set the scene for us to really appreciate what's happening now in Michael's life. You need to kind of go back, get a little bit of the beginning. So take us back. Growing up. Uh, Growing up, I had a great childhood.
1: Um, My family, my parents stayed together, still together to this day. They're working right now. Um I had an older brother so I had a half brother um, didn 't really know him too well, but my sister was my keeper um, best friend um, still to this day. but my dad coached me through all sports um, if I wanted something, I had it uh, like i said, childhood was you would say completely perfect um Lived in a large neighborhood, grew up in the 90s, um, riding bikes, playing games, all that kind of stuff. Um, There was a neighbor down the street who created some real dark evils in my life um, that I kept to myself. I never told my parents, scared my sister would go kill the guy. Um, She was only four or five years older, but at the time, that's who she was. And uh, I held that... um, I held that through everything, I held that to myself, I said that was mine, you know, you submit it to your parents, you submit it to adults, you listen to what adults said, and you just do that. And I'd maybe told less than a handful of people before I spoke with Brian about it, and sharing to the community now, but I kinda just let that go and, and pushed it to the back. I, I, I said it to the back of
0: my brain. Um, Some very painful things done
1: yeah, very, very painful. Very nothing that I really cared to open up, um, you know. And and this is you're gonna have to catch me sometimes with this, Brian. It it got to the point to where I couldn't even finalize marriage counseling with Morgan because I said I'm not going through that trauma again. I'm not talking to this lady about that. I'm not reopening that. I'm I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's on me. Um, I'm a
0: man. And uh, we're being guarded this morning just because of. Uh, different age, ages in the room and situations. So I'm sure you know a little bit about what we're discussing here without going into details.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm an open book, guys. Any, Grab me to the side, talk to me. Anyone has any problem? Men, I'll tell you this, as men, um, we all hurt every single day. We all have a pain every single day. It's okay to share it with um, anyone. Yeah, it's good. With um, yeah, it's good.
0: Let's, let's move forward to high school.
1: Yeah. Um, high school was great as well, uh, athlete, scholarship athlete, um,
0: here at Midlothian.
1: Here at Midlothian, um, it's a great time, um, throughout middle school and everything, I, I really got, I moved from DeSoto to Midlothian, so not only was I trying to find kind of new friends, um, I was raised in a Lutheran church, but did Awanas and Boy Scouts through Baptist Church, and so coming into middle school was more or less finding the church where my friends were at, which was all fun and games Um, until I got to later on in middle school. um, I really got shied away from church. I was worshiping with my hands up. Some of y'all, y'all sit around me, you hear me scream. My voice is raspy. I don't sing well. But that is what I really enjoy doing is worshiping at church. That's just kind of what church has always been for me. Kind of got shamed, I would say, guilted, made fun of not only by the kids, but some of the youth leaders, and it kind of just made me push away from church. I kind of shied away from it. Um, High school was great. Um, I kind of shied away from sports here and there. Um, My sister was in rehab pretty much the whole time I was in high school. Um, In some ways, I feel like I fought for attention from my parents, but at the same time, if I said give me attention, they gave me what I wanted. It wasn't a... It wasn't any sort of relationship where I didn't get what I needed
0: from my parents. Um, but you're good in sports.
1: Yes, yes, I was good in sports. I feel like a lot of the push for sports was for attention. Um, but I was blessed my junior year of high school with a daughter. Um, crazy situation happened. Um, ball up everything with it, you know? Um, She's amazing. She's here. Um, love you so much, baby. But that that kind of swung my life more or less towards sports, and I I really got a grasp on the three Fs of life. And they're manipulated and wrong in their way, but this is how I lived for ten years after high school, twelve years after high school, and it was family, faith, and then football family being first because if anyone traumatized my kids or anything I'm going to kill them you know it wasn't faith first then family then football it was family, faith and football and, and I lived by that I was prideful by that I hung dearly onto that for a long time um really until the last four or five months when I prayed bold and let it all go to God um completely which is mm. so enlightening um in case anyone hasn't felt it yet.
0: Yeah. So you're so good at football that scholarships start coming in.
1: Correct, correct. So I had a couple scholarships. Um, I took one to Louisiana Monroe. Um, Tritt just informed me that Alabama beat them. Um, but my, they recruited me because the year in 2007, they had beat Alabama at Alabama. Um, this is one of their peak seasons. Um, I was playing football, so I went to ULM. I was very good over there. Me and my daughter's mother weren't seeing eye to eye. We didn't get along real well. And so I didn't want to be in Louisiana when my daughter was back in Midlothian, And it was just too far. So I moved to Navarro. Um, I played at Navarro, got in trouble. My roommates were smoking pot. They were doing other things. And I was with them, included in them. And so we all got kicked out. I went down to Blinn, had a walk-on scholarship, played down there. Um, Ten days before the semester, I hit a tree, going 60, 65 miles an hour, and everything just kind of stopped. It halted. Um, I was in the hospital for 17 or 18 days. I had three major surgeries that week, and... uh, when I was released from the hospital, it was, you know, a handful of painkillers, anxiety medicine and blood thinners, everything that could make the dope stay in your system longer, pretty much. Um, And that life kind of, the football life was still there. I still worked out. Um, I still tried to get back into it. Within eight to 10 months, I started having real bad back issues and I had to have a double back surgery, um, double lumbar disectomy and a fusion on the other side so that my nerves weren't just being rattled by the bones. Um, I'd never stopped taking painkillers. I'd never stopped eating the pills because I needed them. Um, I was prescribed them. Doctors are right. Um, And and moving to the other surgery, I just kept taking them. Um, I had a friend who... Introduced me into selling and running drugs and doing different things to get other drugs for free if I wanted to use them or utilize them. And um, it started on a super dark path um, just from that little bit. Um, You know, from manipulation to lying to not giving the daughter I had, and I still have at the time, the the full-blown attention that was needed. Um, creating a generational curse, creating a spiritual demon that's still fighting to this day. Um,
0: Hmm. How old are you at this point?
1: I'm 32 years old. Um, You can ask my soon-to-be wife. She will tell you that. Right now you're 32. I'm 32. How old were you then? Then I was 19. Um, 19 projected to go professional by the age of 20. And instead I was on painkillers, being the cool guy around town who could bring you pot or party with you. Um, the super senior, whatever you wanted to call it. I, 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 I just feel like I've, I've stepped back down to that area at a young age. Um, still continued to go to college, um, transferred my credits here. When I was able to walk and actually move around, I went up to North Texas. Um, North Texas was awesome. It was a good time, fun times. Um, You know, I think the easiest way I can put that dark time was confusion, Um, you know, sex, drugs, music. Um, My brain experienced many things. I did many multiple things from trying to figure out why I was enough to be enough, to be cool enough. I wasn't this all-star athlete, so if I could get as drunk as I wanted to at the bar, someone would remember me from that, or try to sleep with people or, or do these drugs. It was, uh, it was me trying to be enough, not being enough, as well as holding some of the trauma to push forward through, I believe. Um, and this was, you know, I, I, I think I left UNT around the age of 21, 22 years old. Um, I dropped out became a plumber.
0: Um, Let's just pause right there for just a moment. I just wanna take all, there's a whole lot that happened right there. Did you hear what he said was really driving it all? A quest to know that he was enough. That somehow that was lost in the early days, whether it was the trauma or dismissal of the reality of God and so in a search to be enough, to be accepted, celebrated, popular, cool, came all of the trappings with it. A lot of times people get into those situations and people blame the alcohol or blame the drugs. They are part of the issue, but the source was his, the hole inside him that led to those things that became the strongholds. I just want to make sure we caught all of that. There's a lot happening right there. When you're looking for your identity and you look in all the wrong places, it will take you down some very, very dark paths. So,
1: um,
0: Even to this day, and a
1: and pastor came up to me um, two services ago. He said, hey man, you're looking skinny. You're looking great. And coming from a background of working out all the time, those are wrestling words, you know. I look skinny, okay. Let's see how skinny I really look, you know.
0: Um, I'm fight you for that. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, wrestling, not fighting. Oh, sorry, sorry. But yeah, um, I would have lost it both. So. But <laughs> um, and we'll
1: get more into how I ended up fasting here in a second. But yeah, I've yeah. been fasting, you know, once a week, every other week, and. Uh, and, and God will never change you as a person and never change the situation in front of you. Excuse me. He'll never change what's going on around you. He's never going to change the life you live. He's never going to change what he's planned for you tomorrow. What he's going to do is change you. He's going to strengthen you so that you know how to adapt to that situation, so you know how to handle that situation, so you know how to attack life. Um, your situation in your life will always be the same. God's gonna change you and you have to change to change your life.
0: Um, cool. And it's just been so apparent throughout that. Um, Let's go back to 2020 if you want. Is it okay to skip forward yeah. from UNT to 2020? Because mm-hmm. some things happened in that year. So,
1: yes. Um, got on the right foot, still um, drinking here and there, going out partying. Um, still heavy Use of marijuana all the time. Um, not
0: that that's the right foot. That's not what he's saying. Here He's saying on the right foot. That was not day. the right foot, no.
1: but but still on that same path. I wasn't using drugs, per se. I wasn't going out. I was more prideful in myself. I knew I was enough for myself and my two children. I was single. I was a single father. Um, 2019, I was able to buy a house in Midlothian for us, um, I got a career running a convention company. Um, I ran 40 to 60 guys weekly. It was a great job. I based my whole life around it. Um, COVID happened and then being a convention industry, it completely stopped. I was furloughed, given three to six months of pay and basically told good luck. Kind of rough back to that. You did all this, why are you not enough? It, It was back to that you're not enough. you got to go do more. Um, had the opportunity to go sell some roofs in Louisiana from a hailstorm. Um, I jumped on it and took it. Um, it was a great choice. You know, I'm glad God put that guy in my life to get me off my butt and get me out there. Um, it's really done amazing things. Um, with that, through 2020, I met Morgan, my, you know, soon-to-be wife, Which is amazing, you know. We've we've hit a bunch of different wavelengths to come straight on the same pattern of giving everything to God and just being one with Him. I I hope that's where we were supposed to go with twenty twenty. Keep going. Um, Keep going. Sorry, they kind of go everywhere. That's okay. Um, So you meet Morgan. I meet Morgan. i never been the guy to keep going to church. It was you know, Christmas and Easter. Or if my friends are getting <laughs> baptized, you know, just a holiday-type thing. Um, make sure I show up, I'm seen. We have a picture, we leave. It, it wasn't, you know, I was gonna get my one or two songs of worship in, but really it wasn't about God or about that. It was about traditionality and getting there. Um, and being seen. But with Morgan, Morgan she provided that light. She provided that path to show me back to God and, and back to the church. Um, I failed multiple times because I put that family before faith still. It was still family before faith. I lived for Morgan, for us, and not for God or for Jesus. Um, it created strongholds. It created gaps. It created problems. It created a huge bubble of sin that, took me a long time to realize that, that I create it by not marrying her before anything. We have a beautiful baby boy together, yours, mine, and ours. We have five kids, two from past with me and two from the past with her. Um, and, it's, and, and I created this curse. I created a generational curse above us and had to realize that this sin is what we're living in because of me. Um, and I got off path with that, guys. Morgan, Morgan brought us back to church. She got us into church and, and showed me the path back. We were going to FBC for a long time. It's a great church. Um, the plants had invited me to men's breakfast here. Um, I finally convinced Morgan to come over here, and we've been staying here. We're going to stay here for a while.
0: Um, <laughs> so what are some of the things that happen
1: once you come to vertical? Um, well, men's breakfast. Let me tell you about men's breakfast. It's amazing. Um, we've been in, pretty much in the book of James the whole entire time. And um, read the book of James and understand where we fail because we all fail daily. And and uh, it's a good one. From, from the get-go at Vertical Church, though, that I never knew, I never realized, I've never paid attention to, but back to the same thing Pastor was saying about being skinny and, and looking great. I feel like, actually, I don't feel like I know. God has completely broke me down as a man. He has completely taken me to my knees so many times and broke me down in the last three months all the way up until today. And, 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 and he's taken me from nothing because everything I built up spiritually did not have him in it. it. It was the thought of God, the thought of Jesus, the thought of prayer. It wasn't the full spirit of him. And he has completely built me back up um, not only through the breakfast, not only through the church, but through the community of the church and everyone here. Um, mm.
0: Yeah. So this has brought about some big changes in your life over the last six weeks or so. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about what some of those are?
1: Yeah, I mean, Morgan and I are amazing. I, my patience, um, my understanding, my understanding of Christ and life... Um, you know, we talked to Men's Breakfast before about it paying dividends. You know, it's not, you're not gonna pray and always get that exact miracle. We're not gonna stand here and pray and say, pour down rain and it pours down rain, but it will pay dividends if you pray for rain every single day. Um, my kids, um, they get on their knees with me every night and pray. Um, they pray with me and they make sure if I miss it that, um, that I'm in there. Uh, We read Bibles. We read Bible stories. We read Bible studies. Morgan, um, it's one of the sexiest things alive, is that when I come home, either from dropping the kids off or doing something, she's studying her Bible till 10 a.m. We have an infant. She takes care of so much at the house, all the kids, everything, especially when I'm busy at work, for her to... Do that, and I know it's for her spiritual enlightenment with God, but that path of one um, is going to create it stronger for us. So, thank you very
0: much, baby. Um, and you're working on a wedding day now,
1: yes, we're working on a wedding, um, getting that married as quick as possible. Um, Yeah, I cannot wait. Um, I apologize if I've called her my wife to y'all, we're not legally married. but she's my wife.
0: But getting that right before the Lord. We will get that right before the Lord. up. Yeah. You um, also had some personal
1: habits changing for yeah, you. Yeah, so I've completely quit drinking. Um, I was heavy using marijuana every day, all day, any day for any reason. Fun, trauma, hide this, catch a dopamine on that. Um, and it's, you just don't need it. It's not there. It's um, Pastor kind of hit me with it. Um, had a real chemically imbalanced spiritual enlightening playing golf with a pastor, not this pastor, another one. Come talk to me about it a different time. <laughs> and uh, it was crazy, but I talked to him about it and I said, I don't see this the power. I don't see the sin in this. I don't see the sin in that. I don't see that. And I was not manipulating the word, but maybe trying to test myself. And, and it's so true that you can't sharpen your spiritual senses unless you're completely sober with the spirit. Um, Amen. As a man, as, as the king, prophet, and priest of our households, I can't expect to sharpen the blades of any of my boys or the young ladies or teach my wife how to get through a rough situation if I'm spiritually not sharp enough to do it. Um, no, it may not be sinful. No, it may not be something that is anything less than a judgment. But as a human and as a child of God, we can't be all that we can be when our brain is fogged.
0: Do you hear what just, he just said? Um, so right now he's talking about <clears throat> though they were living together, now they're going to get married? And though they were living, he was living in addiction to alcohol and marijuana, he's now free from that. Let's not pass this off as that's just something like, oh, that's cool. That's miraculous. Amen. Um, that doesn't just happen. That doesn't just happen in a day. You you can't even will yourself to make that stop. God has to work in someone's life for that to happen. That yes. is a miracle today. Let's not count that as anything less than that. This is the miraculous. This is more miraculous than a sun and moon appearing to stand still in the sky for one day. Hello? Amen. It's true. Um, a little cool
1: Jesus out-of-body experience that's here, it was in her body, but it was either they're tapping our phones or um, the church and pastors either <laughs> tapping our phones or Jesus and God happening. are speaking to us. Um, Two Thursdays, two Wednesdays ago, three Thursdays ago, um, met with Pastor and Truett. We talked about this baptism for the first time. Um, They offered to marry us on stage here in front of the service. Um, I left, I had a very nice contract be signed, so I was literally riding a high horse when I came home. Um, When I came home, I spoke with Morgan and she was on her heels and toes about getting married. Um, the devil came straight through that little chink in my armor and punched me in the chest. And he said, nope, you don't get to win this. Get off your horse. And uh, it hurt. Um, I struggled. And the way that I have been able to get any of this done is with a verse we went over here in service, Matthew 18, 18, Whatever we bind here will be bounded in heaven. Whatever we loose here will be loosed in heaven. Um, the way I explain this to people is nothing here is ours. I don't own a company. I'm a shepherd of this company for God. And the way that I can shepherd it is by building a strong flock. Um, nothing is ours. We don't have stress. We don't have anger. We don't have any of that. Those are emotions. Those are emotions that we can control by praying. Um, we can control by bowing our heads, by dropping to our knees, um, and the pureness of that is just great. So what I did is I grabbed my Bible. I was driving. I flipped to a page. I said, "I'm going to read on whatever." I flipped to, I went to Nehemiah. It went to the summary page, and the very top it says, "A day of fasting, confession, and prayer." I eat. I like to eat. You know, I I, I love food, and so it was like, okay, I've been talking about fasting. I need to get this done. Friday comes along, I'm shooting some video content for a job of mine, and my videographer is heavy in the Book of Christ. We talk more Jesus than we do work every time we get together. It just kind of is what it is. But I'm showing him what I did, so I flipped to the same page, and the bullet point underneath it is, says a binding agreement. And I said, well, I'm going to start fasting today. Um, that, if that doesn't tell me that I need a fast, then I'd, I don't know what does. Um, I had a smoothie at 11 Drank water the rest of the day. I had a Cheeto puff at my parents that evening. And I was, well, I was mad at myself. I was like, you didn't need that. What are you doing? It wasn't thought. It was just habit, you know? Um, I made a sweet tea in their carafe. I dumped it out because I said, oh, I need water. I came home and baby, I love you. Um, she's very busy, guys. This isn't me being derogatory. It is very rare for me to come home after 8.30 p.m. after a 12, 14-hour day and have warm food ready. It's very rare, she's getting kids to bed, she's got a newborn baby to put down. I'm used to warming up my own meals, that's not a big deal. Um, but they're and she's like my favorite, you know? <laughs> so I eat it, and I eat that, and um, I immediately start praying, and I said, so I've, I'm just gonna fast until after service. Um, I told Morgan the next day that Saturday, baby, I can see better, and I'm blind, guys, I'm can barely hear, and I said, I can hear better, I can taste better. My, my, my physical senses were heightened to the point to where I haven't felt them that way in a while. Um, this was also a week off of not smoking any pot, two weeks off of not drinking at all. Um, and so s- senses and everything completely heightened. Spiritual senses, though, whoo, um, amazing, Um, Crazy stuff. And then we come to service on Sunday, and Pastor Brian's talking about how we should fast for the flesh of Christ. Um, So I'm looking at Morgan, like, baby, something's going on. And then the only thing that my plan was was to go get barbecue chicken or barbecue buffalo wings after sermon, and that was the only food he talked about the whole service. (laughs) Um, that's true, and so and and so it's it's there, and that's what I want to. I guess the moral of that story is Jesus is here. God is speaking. God is moving through all of us, and that simple, simplistic
0: little story says it. Um, so, the second service, we're going to baptize Michael, and um, yeah, it's it's yeah. awesome. Thank y'all.
1: Um, this I actually is. came to Pastor, I'm sorry, I came to him because I wanted to get baptized for Morgan, I wanted to be cleansed, I wanted to be purified, I wanted to know that everything was God's, but I wanted to do it for her, and that was our initial meeting, was I said, I don't, I feel selfish, um, I feel selfish because, yes, I'm giving my life to Christ, but I'm, I really want to do it for Morgan. Um, my eyes have opened even more. It's, it's not just for Morgan, it's for the community. It's hopefully that this testimony, I pray every day that it touches millions. Um, no one from the age of 10 to 20, 25 should battle what I thought, should think of how I thought. Um, and no one should live the way I live. No one should be patient. No one should wait on Christ. Let him embody you. Let, seek the flesh. Fill your blood with his spirit and... And lift them up and live them out every day because I've gone through some of the hardest times in my business in the last six weeks and I've been happier than I've ever been in my entire life. Um, not stressed about it. Morgan just asked me, are we okay? Nah, not right now, but we'll be fine. We'll pray about it. <laughs> okay, baby. Okay, baby. And six weeks later, we're doing more than okay. Um, yeah. Everything's right. Everything's his plan. Everything's his purpose. And and we are his plan. And we are his purpose. And and we have to live that out.
0: So his baptism is his public declaration that says, I believe in Jesus Christ. And I have been changed by him. So thank you, Michael, for sharing your story. It's powerful. Thank you for listening. It's miraculous. So... uh, You'll, you'll keep seeing Michael and Morgan around vertical. I'd like for us to close today by men having you come. We're going to pray for Michael today. So I'll take that. You come on down here to the front. Guys, let's come gather around him. What a testimony. What a good God we serve to take the heart of a man and do something miraculous. And that's what this is. This is miraculous for a heart to change, for eyes to be opened, for a mind to be changed, for direction to be changed. Only God can do that. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for what you were doing in Michael's life, or we give you all glory for it and attribute it only to you. This is not the working of any one man. This is not the working of anyone's clever words or thoughts. This is only by your Spirit. Only you can resurrect a heart. Only you can break down strongholds. Only you can set captives free. Only you can cause new life to rise up where there's only been ashes and where there's been defeat and where there's been uh, hurt, where there's been trauma. Only you can cause a man and a woman to come together in love and strength. I thank you for what you're doing in Michael. I thank you for putting him and Morgan together. I thank you for their willingness to make their stand for Christ together, to be married publicly, to raise their children up in the ways that are from you. I thank you for what you're doing. God, we glorify you today, and we pray for even greater strength, patience, power, purpose through Michael, that you might show your glory through his story, which is your story, in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.